Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, sent his followers to the four corners of the earth. And over the centuries, there were high points for Muslims, and there were also low points. Muslims were kings and slaves. And in all different uh, aspects of life, in, in different levels of testing, Muslims who practiced their faith were able to come to the surface you know, as followers of the greatest prophet who ever lived. It is reported in the European slavery that went uh, across from the Atlantic that as many as 30% of the slaves who came from Africa into the Americas and were taken as political prisoners to the Western Hemisphere were Muslims. Many of these people are still revisiting their roots and this is making Islam the fastest growing religion in the West. This is a very important topic. We need to go deep into what actually happened to the slaves to try to understand this phenomenon because it is still influencing American society today. It still has a powerful impact upon uh, the shaping of the minds of the younger generation and upon what is happening in the Western countries. Originally, when slavery was practiced in uh, America and in the, this uh, Western Hemisphere, the first slaves were actually the poor whites. But because they could identify with the masters, with the, the upper class, they refused to stay within a state of slavery. Slavery was then changed to the Red Indians, to the native people of America. But the native people were living on their land. And so they refused also to remain in slavery, and either they would sit down and refuse to move until they died, or they would fight to their death and they would escape. So the European uh, colonialists at that time needed to have people who could easily be identified and also were familiar <coughs> with the, the growing of cotton and sugarcane and living within a semi-tropical climate. And so they looked to the west coast of Africa to try to bring in uh, slaves who would fit this role and who would propel um, the culture to give products for the industrial revolution that was about to happen. The first slaves were brought into the New World uh, around 1518. And this was through the Portuguese and the Spanish who gave out licenses in 1518. And then we find slaves coming in. After that point, we find then the Dutch, the British, the French, all of the colonial um, masters at the time were selling people as you sell uh, chattel. And this slavery continued and increased until the point where millions of people were affected by it. And so we can say that through the slave trade, and through what happened in what is called the Middle Passage in between Africa and the Americas that millions of people actually met death and destruction and Africa up until today has not recovered uh, from this terrible genocide that went on. All tribes, all languages, all religions in West Africa were brought together and put onto the slave boats. Ashanti, Koromante, Yoruba, Igbo, 
Wolof. Amongst them were Muslims. Almost one in every three of the slaves being taken to America was Muslim. The Mandinka, the Fulani, the Hausa, and from the Yoruba and Ashanti, those who had accepted Islam also find, found themselves on the boat. In early America, it was also reported that some of the African people who were living in America had slaves, that they owned their own property. But in 1685, the Code Noir, Noir the Black uh, Laws, were written, and in, in, in this divisive uh, legislature that was passed, every person of African descent became a slave. And so, with no hope uh, for freedom, resistance became a powerful message amongst the African slaves. And we find that many of the different nations, especially the Muslims, were leading the forces against the slave masters and the colonial regimes. And reports are coming, especially of Mandingos, which is the, the English way of saying Mandinka, from the Mande people. And we know that this is one of the largest uh, language groups and cultural groups in West Africa. And they became the leaders of the resistance in many parts of the Caribbean and in South America. So we find, as some examples, in 1833, um, a uh, female uh, plantation owner, Gertrude Carmichael, she was living in St. Vincent and Trinidad in the Caribbean. She writes within her writings, and these are available today, that many Negro nations are not idolatrous, but they are Mahometans. So she used this word Mahomet, which is a crusading word, a middle age terminology used for Muslims. Byron Edwards, in his famous history of the West Indies in 1794, he speaks about an old faithful Mandingo servant. And when he describes him, he said, he never forgot his morning or evening prayer. And he used to chant in a very shrill uh, voice, La ilaha illallah. There is no God but Allah. Robert Madden, a British magistrate who went to Jamaica during the time when uh, slavery was being abolished, he discovered a, a society of Muslims living in Jamaica. And Robert Madden had traveled in Turkey and in some of the Islamic lands so he learned to speak some Arabic. He knew how to greet Muslims and to open up a conversation in the Arabic language. So it is reported that he gathered together a group of the slaves who were about to, to, to be put into a higher level uh, of, of life and to be manumitted from slavery. And he, he recognized something uh, different about them. He, he could see that they were probably Muslims. So he greeted them in Arabic and he said they would have recited the whole of the Qur'an if I did not tell them to be quiet. He also uncovered amongst them a wathiqa. He uncovered a document that was written in the Arabic language and um, this wathiqa or this document became uh, a very important piece because um, what the document is speaking about it is calling for jihad and um, it becomes the basis of a great slave rebellion um, that happened in the years 1821 uh, to 1822.
Following this, we find that um, these Mandinka people are living throughout the Caribbean region. In Trinidad, the island of Trinidad, which is off the coast of South America, the Mandingo society is uh, developed uh, by the slaves and um, this society is, is developed uh, in order to free slaves, to take them out of bondage and to buy them and to then uh, allow them to live a free life. Also on the island of Cuba, there was a sizable population of Muslims. Again, Mandingo is a term which is being used for all of the Muslims. In Haiti, which is uh, the French colony, known to be the first major revolution in the Western Hemisphere, between 1753 and 1757, one of the leaders of the great Haitian uprising was Makandal. And Makandal was a Muslim Imam. He was a leader. He was a learned person. And he was part of the great revolution of Toussaint Louverture that happened uh, in Haiti. In Suriname, which was the most dangerous colony of the Dutch in that region, and Suriname is what they call today also Dutch Guyana. So it falls in South America. The great revolt against the Dutch slave masters was being led by a general called Arabi. And his lieutenant was called Zamzam, like Zamzam water that we drink uh, in Mecca till Mukarramah. So we find Arabic names being used by people throughout the region. In the Bahamas, who are so famous today for the beautiful beaches, you find on the island of Exuma, you find writings that show a large population of people. And the writings show that these were followers of Mahomet. Now we know that this is a, a middle age crusading term uh, that is being used to describe Muslims. So what they were actually saying is that on the island of Exuma, this large uh, portion of the population were Muslims living in the Bahamas. And so documentation like this is coming to the surface all over the Caribbean region. Uh, it is found in South America, in Central America, that shows um, a strong presence of Muslims within this region. And that not only um, were they part of the societies, but they were the leaders in resistance. Islam gave them a strong identity. And so they resisted culturally. They resisted uh, uh, religiously. And it is reported that part of the system to break the slaves was not to allow them to practice their religions. And especially if the slave masters found somebody who prayed or who fasted in the month of Ramadan, that person would be tortured to death in front of the other slaves. If they found somebody who would not eat pork, or somebody who would um, uh, refuse to be naked all the time, they would also torture that person. They broke up the families. They made the people change their language. They changed the names of the people from their original um, African names, or from the names of... Uh, uh, Islamic origin, especially if the name was in Arabic, they made the people change their name and by this they were able to water down the culture and to dissolve uh, Islam into a large slave population. But 
the, the, the seeds of resistance remained in the people. And it is through these seeds that we are seeing people on these islands and these regions accepting Islam in the 21st century. It is reported uh, by historians that the slavery period uh, in America was one of the most brutal periods in the history of this planet. Millions of people died on the shores of Africa, in the Middle Passage, and in the Americas, uh, in the brutal uh, serfdom, the brutal ball and chain slavery that we find all throughout this region. And because of this brutality, and because of the lack of hope, people naturally resist. And stories of resistance are written in histories, in oral cultures, and we find that African slaves resisted right from the shores of Africa. When they knew that they were being taken away from their families, that they resisted, and they would jump off the boats. They would struggle with everything that they had. Also, we find that um, in the Middle Passage itself, we find that boats were taken over by the slaves and the Amistad uh, boat, the, the famous well-documented uh, boat, has come into popular literature and understanding. And this Amistad is an example of resistance of the slaves. And so um, this struggle continued right into the Americas. Muslims resisted in Jamaica, in Trinidad, in St. Vincent, in uh, all regions within the Caribbean Basin, in Central America, in the United States. There were different forms of, of, of slave revolts. Um, there was in America Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey. Um, there were so many uh, different ways to resist. It is reported also a woman, Harriet Tubman, uh, developed the Underground Railroad where she enabled Muslims uh, or African people to flee uh, from the South into Canada. And so this became one of the greatest African resistance in the West. What concerns us here is um, to bring out an aspect of this resistance that in the past has been overlooked. And that is the presence of Muslims. It is now recognized that over 30% of the slaves brought to the Americas were Muslims. Now we are seeing documentation coming to the surface. We are seeing that Muslims maintained their culture of writing Arabic, that they maintained the ability to express the Quran, to express their Islamic culture, even though they were in a state of slavery. One of the most well-documented uh, uh, resistances that happened in the West was the case of Brazil. Brazil was a Portuguese colony that was developed in the early part of the slavery period and it was known for its high production in sugarcane. From 1540 to 1570 the Indians, the native people of Brazil were used in order to deal with the sugarcane but they couldn't handle the pressure and this was their original land. So they refused to submit and either would die on the plantation or they would escape. And so Africans were brought from the Senangambia region, from Benin, coming down from uh, Nigeria and that part of West Africa, and also from Angola. From the Senangambia region, there came the Wolof, the Mandinka, 
who had the very strong traditions within Islam where you had uh, uh, great mujahideen, great strugglers in West Africa. Uh, also from Benin, there were Hausa slaves, there were Ashanti and there were Yoruba. And a sizable number of the Brazilian slaves also were in a state of Islam. They were described by the Portuguese as exceedingly spirited and resolute. They were also described as the most intelligent element amongst the imported Africans because many of them could read and write the Arabic language. So amongst the slaves that came to Brazil, and um, this is a special phenomena that happened in Brazil, and we don't find it like this anywhere else in the Americas. There were a number of imams and teachers called malams amongst the slaves. And so they were able to unite the tribes and they were able to actually concentrate themselves into uh, Islamic communities. The main section of the Muslim population in Brazil was a province called Bahia. And in the Bahia uh, section, the Muslims were well known um, for their personalities and um, the way that they conducted themselves. It is said that the Muslims would get up early in the morning, um, they would go to bed early, they, they lived a quiet life, they were very reserved uh, in their conversations, they lowered their gaze, restrained their glances, they did not lie, they did not drink alcohol, um, they practiced polygamy, they had more than one wife, um, but one interesting aspect about the, the Muslims there, and it shows the strength of the Imams, they did not allow the men to beat their wives. And so um, from that a culture develops, a culture of justice uh, develops, and the, the, the women within the Islamic community of Brazil um, were, were powerful also and involved in uh, the struggle. The Imams and the Malams, the teachers, were able to carry out the different Islamic rituals. They carried on uh, the, the ceremonies of birth, of marriage, of janazah. Um, they developed an independent uh, system of thinking. And from this independent thinking, a type of collective leadership uh, developed. And this leadership had the concept of Amir where the masses of the Muslims related to uh, their leader and were prepared to uh, uh, do anything if it was commanded by their leader in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so in May 27th, 1807, the first revolt took place in Bahia. It was uh, a powerful revolt and the intention of this revolt was to kill the masters, poison the water system, and to return to Africa. But unfortunately, um, spies, weak-minded hypocrites, munafiqeen, in the ranks of the Muslims, um, gave the information over to the authorities. And the government then waited for the revolt. And just before it was about to take place, they, su they suppressed it and they killed the leaders but they took some of the people who were involved in it and they put them on boats and they sent them back to Africa. The second major revolt was in 1814 between 1814 to 1816. This was a spontaneous revolt 
It was not organized in the way of the first uh, revolt. And because of this lack of organization and the spontaneous nature of the revolt, they were able to um, uh, kill many of the masters and they were able to, to, to capture certain sections of the land, but they were eventually put down and many of their ringleaders were either killed or sent back to Africa. The largest revolt took place in 1835. And this is known as the Great Revolt of the Males. What is important to understand is that um, this revolt was led by Muslim scholars. And there were 10 Muslim scholars in particular who gathered together and who wrote different uh, documents. They would send the wathiqa um, to the other people and, and, and you can see a document here which is actually from Brazilian Muslims written in the Arabic language. And so the leaders of these revolts came from different parts of West Africa. The well-known Sheikh Dandara was a Hausa uh, Muslim. Sheikh Sanim was a Yoruba Muslim. Malam Abu Bakr Ahuna was also a Yoruba and he was the most well-known uh, person uh, of the revolt and also Malam Bilal. Um, he was also Yoruba and a well-known person within the revolt. What happens now in, in this concentration that we find a powerful force coming out of the Muslims. They literally had developed masjids. There were 20 known masjids in Salvador which is like the capital of Bahia and they gathered together within the masjids and they uh, established special uh, meeting places like diwans or special uh, places where they would gather together in order to discuss the revolt. And so through these secret meetings and their connection with their Amir and by communicating in the Arabic language and taking a special oath from the people, they were able to spread the word of a large revolt far and wide and it was not detected uh, by the authorities. They chose Ramadan as the date of the revolt. And, um, but unfortunately again, Munafiqeen uh, came into the picture and they informed the government authorities about this upcoming major revolt of the Malays that was to take place. Even so, a strong fight continued and the Muslims were able to take the struggle all throughout the countryside. They were able to conquer certain sections within uh, Salvador, but because of the technology, the weapons and the organization of the Portuguese army, um, the revolt was actually eventually put down and a mass deportation happened where many of the leaders and many of the people involved in the, in the revolt, instead of just being killed, they were put on boats and they were sent back to West Africa. And it is interesting today that in Lagos, in Nigeria, you can pray in a Brazilian masjid. So you can make your salat in a mosque that was built by Brazilian Muslims who were captured, struggled for their independence, and eventually returned to West Africa and they built masjids within a, a major West African city. What this revolt showed was the fact that even under the most difficult circumstances, Islam was able to unite uh, different tribal groupings. It also showed the spirit of struggle that Muslims were maintaining, especially those 
who are reading directly into the book of Allah and following the sunnah traditions of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him. These revolts that are happening in the early part of the 19th century, the ones that are happening in the 1814 and then going up to 1835, they coincide with the great Hausa Fulani uh, revolutions that were going on in West Africa. Sheikh Uthman Denfodio, Rahimahullah, of Sokoto, of northern Nigeria and Hausa land, was a great scholar who succeeded in uniting his people and overthrowing the authorities in Hausa land and developing an Islamic state of over 250,000 square kilometers. So the spirit of the, the, the Sheikh coming out of his literature and the people who were captured and unfortunate in slavery still showed out even though they were thousands of miles away in Brazil. And so um, today when you see a Brazilian and you see the spirit that they have and the young people are watching the Brazilians in soccer and they see the strong spirit, recognize that a good percentage of Brazil are Muslims and there are hundreds of people who are coming into Islam today in Brazil. I leave you with this, uh, this new gem of wisdom that has come forward from the untold stories of history. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.